beautiful story, isn't it? I wanted to show you that this morning because I know that some of you walked in here and you think the current situation that you're in right now, that it's impossible. But I want to tell you this, God is in stories of redemption. He's in making things brand new. So I don't know how you got in here this Easter Sunday, but I want these words to ring in your ears today. Sin, death, hell, and the grave has been overcome, and there is nothing that you have got yourself in that Jesus can't get you out of. Amen? So, um, man, wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that incredible? I, I, I want to say this. I'm so excited for everybody that got baptized, and I'm also so excited to just be a part of a church with people that love this church, and they're so into building this church. We had guys here at 5.30 this morning setting all this up, so can we give a huge hand to all of our dream team? So if you see any of our team like down in Red Bulls, don't judge, right? <laughs> they were here early. So hey, listen, I want to pray because I, 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 I am positive of this. God is here this morning and God wants to do something in your life. The Holy Spirit is here and he is into making your story brand new. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that we have the opportunity to stand up here today, to sit here, to listen to a message of your redeeming power. God, we thank you for what you're going to do in our heart and in our lives. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So let me set this story up for you guys. Um, For those of you that maybe are not familiar with the Easter story, I want to take you to a book that maybe might be a little uh, less typical to preach during Easter. But if you've learned anything about me, I always like, if they say go in the right lane, I'm going in the left lane, okay? It's just kind of how my personality is. But in Revelations, we're going to pick it up in Revelations chapter 12. And before I read verse 10, I want to give you some context here. So there is this cosmic battle going on in the heavens, okay, between demons and angels. And it says Michael, the archangel, is leading all of his angels to fight the powers of death, hell, and the grave. And this is right before Jesus is crucified and rises from the dead. And so this is what happens. Basically, um, the angels win, and it says that God throws Satan, the enemy, down to the earth, and he casts him out of heaven. And so So this is where we pick up in Revelation 12, verse 10. And it says, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. Now watch this verse. The authority of the enemy has come for the accuser of our brothers and has been thrown down who accuses them day and night. So how many of you walked in here this morning and you have that small whisper in your head, that small whisper in it saying you're not good enough, you're never going to make it. I know you came into church this morning to get something out of it and guess what? You're going to walk out of these doors and you're going to stay exactly the same. But let's set it up. This is Easter. The accuser has come. The enemy has come to bring oppression and depression. He has come to cast us down. He has come to cast condemnation and guilt on us. But, don't you love the buts in the Bible? When it says, but, the enemy, the accuser has been thrown down. And I want you to notice something here. Jesus fought the battle on Easter. When he rose on the third day, he fought the battle that none of us could ever fight. We could try, we could attempt to, but there was absolutely no way that we could ever win. I don't know if you know this, but Jesus dying on the cross, and if he would not have rose from the grave, everything that we believe about Christianity would be useless. 
You know this, that that there is no savior in Islam. There is no savior in the Buddhist religion where they actually had a God that sacrificed himself. And if he did, he surely never came back from the dead. So I want you to know this. There may be things in your life right now that feel dormant. Okay, that just feel absolutely dead. Maybe, Maybe you're sitting next to a spouse this morning and you're saying, you know what? We're here as just this latch-ditch effort to say, God, do something in us. Because if it doesn't work today, you know what? We're done. Um, And maybe you feel death in just a relationship. Maybe you feel death in just your personal relationship with Jesus. Maybe it's been a long time since you've heard from God. But I want to point you back to this Jesus overcame sin, death, hell, in the grave. And so I want you to to let this kind of play over and over in your mind. Whatever excuse that you have this morning, whatever you think that Jesus is just not powerful enough to give you that power to overcome, all of those fears, all of that anxiety is rendered useless on Easter. On Easter. Every Um, The whole point of Easter is Jesus taking your sin, your doubt, your fears, your insecurities and saying, you know what, I am enough. And so today I want you to let these words ring in your ears. Sin, death, and the grave are defeated and through Jesus you can overcome. So what I want to talk about this morning is how do we live an overcoming life? Because some of us are in here and you're saying, yeah, 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 but I know Jesus has died on the cross and he rose from the grave and he did all these things. But listen, I've been at this place in my life for 10 years now. And it doesn't seem like whatever I do, I've prayed, I've read my Bible, I've gone to church and I'm doing all these things. And it just doesn't work. So what I want to do is I want to break down some scripture in Revelations um, 12 and how we can learn to live an overcoming life. Maybe some of you are in here and you've got this perpetual sin that keeps antagonizing you, that keeps tempting you, and you just keep giving into it. So what I want to do is point you to some scripture, and I want to give you um, a few things where we can learn how to overcome and where Easter is not just a holiday for us. Because so many of us, I don't know if you know this or not, but so many of us, especially in the South, we can get used to just this tradition, right? We do it just because it's Easter. I mean, I, I know this is kind of the, uh, I was talking to my wife last night, and I said, you know what's funny about um, Easter? One, it's the largest, usually everybody decides to go to church. On Good Friday, everybody's off. They eat crawfish, drink a whole lot of beer, get drunk on Friday and Saturday, and then somehow they wind up in church. <laughs> like, hey, I'm guilty for this weekend, so I'm here. <laughs> and some of you are kind of like, that's me. <laughs> so some of you are here this morning. Welcome home. All right, welcome home. We're glad to have you. So I want to read this. It's Revelations 12, verse 10 through 11. And it says, I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of Christ has come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who accuses them day and night before our God. And here's the verse that we're going to kind of break down this morning. And they have overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of the testimony, for they love not their lives even unto to death. So the first point I want to make this morning is whatever temptation, whatever sin you're dealing with, the blood of Jesus Christ is enough. It is enough. The blood is enough. Because here's the thing, especially in Christianity, when we get saved, maybe some of these people, they're going to deal with this when they, they walk out of these doors. We feel that the redeeming blood of Christ sometimes is not enough. So what do we like to do? Well, I need to pray more. I need to read my Bible more. I need to do this more. I need to go to church more. I need to paint the sign of the cross on myself. I need to do all these things. And here's the truth. 
The blood of Jesus is enough. And let me set it up to you like this. How many of you guys remember the story when Moses um, goes before Pharaoh and God is sending down all these plagues? Anybody remember that? He sends the locusts, the grasshoppers, he turns the water into blood, he does all these different things. And the last curse that he offers is he said, listen, tell my people to paint blood over their doorposts. And if they paint blood over their doorposts, the angel of death will pass by their door on that night and I will not kill their firstborn son. But if they do not sacrifice a lamb and if they do not paint blood over the doorpost, their son will die. Now, let's set it up like this. This is obviously not in the Bible. This is just me being hypothetical for a moment. Let's just imagine you've got two Jewish guys by the name of Smith and Brown. And they're walking on the road, and they're saying this, man, Smith says to Brown, he says, man, are you nervous about tonight? Like the angel of death is going to be passing through our neighborhood. And Brown replies to Smith, he says, no, I'm not nervous. Why would I be nervous? Jesus told us what to do. He told us to paint the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, and when the angel of death passes by, then you know what, we're going to be fine. So, so why am I nervous? So Brown says to Smith, are, are you nervous? He says, well, of, I mean, of course I'm nervous, man. I don't know. Did I, did I paint the blood in the right place? Did I paint it too high on the, on the doorpost? Did I paint it low enough? Did I, did I paint enough? Did I kill enough lambs? And will the angel of death pass by my door? And he's kind of nervous. He's kind of worried. He's kind of freaking out, like, what's going to go on? Now, let me ask you a question. That night, they both have painted the blood of the lamb on their doorpost, okay? Who lost their son that night? Because one was freaking out and one wasn't. Who lost their son that night? And the answer is neither. Neither. And so here's the deal. This is why I say the blood of the lamb is enough. Regardless of how you emotionally feel right now, you could be scared, you could be nervous, you could feel like you're not doing enough. We have to start with this foundation that there is nothing else that you can do. When Jesus decides to save you, the blood of Christ is enough. It is enough. It's not speaking in tongues. It's not baptism. It's not going to church more. It's not being a better person. The blood of Jesus is enough. It is enough. It's Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And listen, some of us judge our salvation and our assurance based on how well we performed in the ceremony. Like, man, when I went and I repented to Jesus and I gave my life to him, did I cry enough tears? Did I repent enough? Did I say enough words? Just like this simple example, if you painted the blood of the lamb over the doorpost, you could have been scared, you could have been nervous. It did not matter. The angel of death passed by that night and the blood of the lamb was simply enough. So here's the deal. It's not the intensity of our faith, but the object of our faith that saves it's not the intensity, it's not how you feel in that moment is the object of our faith, which is Jesus. Meaning this, let me put it to you in a different way. You can pray 100 words or you can pray 10,000 words and the grace of God that is offered to you today is still the same. And you could pray one word, two words, or one million words. And I know a lot of times we get stuck in this cycle, in this trap. And I, I gave this illustration while I was in, 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 in England. 
and I had somebody kind of question me on it. But the illustration that I gave was, was simply this, like, man, have you ever got stuck in this cycle of like when you sin, when you fall short, when, when you just blow it and you ask God for forgiveness, you're not too totally sure if he forgave you? So you're like, man, I think I'm going to ask again because I'm not sure if you heard me because I don't, I don't feel like I'm, I'm clean right now. So you ask again. And then maybe like five, ten minutes later, you, you, you're not too sure that God heard your prayer, so you ask again. And by the time the day is over, you've asked about 50 times or 100 times. And here's the truth. It doesn't matter how many times you ask. You can ask once. And if you know who Jesus is, the blood of the Lamb is simply enough. The blood is enough. Colossians 1, 19 through 20 says this. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell through him to reconcile himself to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by what? How does he make all things new? How does he reconcile things to himself? By the blood of his cross. This is the verse. It says, by the blood of his cross. So how do we overcome when sin has grappled us? The first thing that we have to do is we have to look to what Jesus has done for us and realize that that simply is enough. And there is nothing that we could do to ever earn that. But Jesus, God, sent his one and only son for you and for me because he loves us. Because he loves us. The second one is this. The second point I want to make is we overcome by one, the blood of the lamb. And the second thing, the way that we overcome according to Revelation 12 is by our story. By our story. Listen, if God has saved you and he has pulled you out of death, your life should look different now. It should look different. I want to give an example to you this morning. And this is actually a very personal example for somebody here um, in this room. And I want to share a little story about her. And uh, if, I, if you see her run out or duck and hide, you know who it is. But anyway, um, no, her name is Miss Brenda. How many of you guys have had the opportunity to meet Miss Brenda? She's one of my favorite people here in the church. Let's give her a hand. Well, I think it was, <laughs> I think it was uh, close to a year ago um, I'm standing outside, like I do every Sunday, and greeting people, and we're probably maybe three, four months into the church, and uh, here comes this woman, and she's walking in the door, and uh, the first thing that she tells me, is she says, good morning, Father, <laughs> and I just rolled with it. I was like, good morning, sister, you know, um, so she, she walks in the doors, and I could tell she was apprehensive. I could tell she was nervous. And so she comes in, and um, let me set up the story a little bit. Let me give you some back history before she got here. So she, this is, she called me on the phone the other day, and she, she set this up. She said, you don't know this, but the day before I was going to church, or a few weeks before, Miss um, Brenda actually lost her, her daughter a few years ago to cancer. And so ever since then, when, when something like that happens, something tragic like that, I mean, you never really snap out of it. Your life is always going to be different from that point on doesn't mean that you can't have joy again. It doesn't mean that you can't live somewhat of a normal life. But life from that point on is definitely going to be different. Well, she was just in this dark place. And um, so she was researching on the internet of basically how many pills she could take and how much alcohol she could drink to basically end her life. And um, so she said she's, she had been invited by a few people to come to the church. And one Sunday she puts all her makeup on, gets her clothes on, and she's ready to go. She's walking out the door. And I won't tell you what she said, but she said, I'm not going to church. I'm just, I'm not going. I'm not doing this. I haven't walked in the church in years, and why would I do it now? And the funny thing that happens is she said she's going back in, and next thing she knows, she's grabbing her car key. She's in her car, and she's walking through these doors, and she's like, what am I doing? 
have no idea what's going on. The cool thing about this story is this. So this happens. You have this lady who's dealing with all this depression. Is there any purpose in life? She walks through these doors, and listen, it is nothing special about walking through these doors, okay? It has everything to do with Jesus, okay? So she walks through these doors, and um, it's the first time that her ears kind of begin to be open about, man, maybe this is a church where I can be loved, where I can be accepted, I can know Jesus. A few months later, she gives her life to Jesus. We baptize her. She was actually the first person in this church that we ever baptized. And so here's the deal. The story continues. Um, so one of the things that she told me in the very beginning was, you know what, I don't, I don't think I'll ever see the sun again, meaning I don't know if I'll ever have joy after my daughter. And I've always disagreed with her. I said, no, you're, you're gonna. I know life is gonna look different, but you know what, we're gonna see, we're gonna see the sun again. So she says uh, to me, she calls me one day, or she sends me an email and says, hey, can, can, I, can I call you? So I end up calling her and she says, listen, I don't know what happened, but my router at my house went out and um, so I call up the, inter- the Cox guy, and he comes over to fix my router. And next thing I know, um, I've never done this before, but I'm sharing my testimony to this guy. Like 45 minutes, there's this guy that just came to fix a router. And it's like, do you have time, son? Because I'm going to tell you my story. So she begins to tell her story. She calls me after this, and I'm not saying that everything was just peaches and cream after that, but it was a glimpse of joy for her by simply just telling her story to this guy. And here's the truth in Scripture that we see. If God has saved you and given you a story of overcoming your past life or fear or anxiety or depression, then you should look different. And here's the truth. If you're dealing with a dark season like she's going through and went through, the more that you verbally share your story, the more that God's going to set you free. The more that God's going to set you free. Let me, let me give it to you um, like this. The truth is you cannot argue with a changed life, can you? You cannot argue with a changed life. When you see somebody, and I know he's not here this morning, but Mr. Phil, who's often in Texas, when he came here, he was a different person, and then God transformed his life. And when he starts having his kids saying, Dad, what is wrong with you? Like, you're, di- you're nice. <laughs> and your boss starts telling you, like, man, what's going on with you? There are just things that are, that are different about you. You cannot argue with a changed life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is what we just did this morning. This is baptism. This is what baptism uh, is. So imagine for a moment, you had an incurable disease. Okay? Imagine for a moment, you had an incurable disease, and they said, you have six months to live. You have six months to live. So in in hope for finding a cure, you begin to rush around the world seeking a cure, right? I mean, if a doctor told me you have six months to live, what are you going to do? You're going to say, no, 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 I'm I'm living, right? I'm going to get through this. And so because you have this incurable disease, you start to go to every doctor. You start to rack up credit card debt. You start to fly on every plane that you can. You're researching on the internet every possible way that you can get a cure, After you have exhausted your finances, after your family is probably in shambles from you running around halfway across the world in the country, going all over the place, visiting doctor and doctor, and you are physically just 
drained and tired. Imagine this, that one day you finally sit down on your couch and you decided, you know what, I'm done. And all of a sudden there's a knock on your door and this man walks through the door and he says, hey, listen, I know you've been exhausting yourself. I know you've been traveling all over the world to find hope, to find peace, to find a cure. But guess what? Here it is and I want to give it to you. I want to give it to you. What would you do in a moment like that? Like, there's probably nothing else that you could possibly do but just cry, right? Be extremely thankful. Salvation is the greatest miracle that could ever take place. And salvation is this, Jesus curing your incurable disease and charging the bill to his account. It's Jesus curing your incurable disease and charging the bill to his account and saying, you know what, the blood is enough and you owe me nothing. So some of you in here, man, you've been looking all over the world to find peace, to find joy, to find happiness. There is this restlessness in your soul. And you think, man, if I could just have one more car, or if I could just have a different wife, or if I could just have a different husband, or if my marriage looked like this, or if I could just have this, then I would have peace. If I had more money in my bank account, if I had a better job, No, the truth is the blood of Jesus is enough. And if you learn to rest in Christ, then that is enough. And you have a story of life change. You have a story of life change. So here's the question that I posed to you this morning. If you don't have a story, then chances are you may need to evaluate some things. Because when Jesus is, like 2 Corinthians says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old has passed away Behold, the new has come. And then it continues in verse 18. All this is from God. (laughs) The old passed away not because you were good enough. The old passed away not just because you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps and said, you know what, today I decide to be a better person. No, no, no. All of this happens because God is a gracious, loving father who says, you know what, the blood on that cross is enough. So it says, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, meaning God took your sin and he didn't say, hey, now you owe me something. He says, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation, therefore, We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So I want you to notice two things about this text. Number one, when Jesus saves you, he doesn't hold your past against you. When Jesus saves you, he doesn't save you and then put a a shackle on your ankle and say, you know what, as you get better, then I'll give you a little bit more leash. (laughs) When he saves you, he saves you without holding a grudge. When he forgives you, he forgives you without holding a grudge. And so many of us have a hard time framing this up. So let's take it in the context of marriage. You ever got in an argument with your wife, your husband, and they say, I forgive you. And then 30 minutes later, it's pretty clear they haven't forgiven you. (laughs) Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like you walk, you go out of the room, okay? Especially men. Men do this all the time. We're like, man, she forgave me. All right, let's go back to that hobby. And you come back inside, you're like, oh, snap, it ain't forgiven. Like, and you're like walking on eggshells for a while. And then you got to go back and, babe, what's wrong? Is everything okay? You wasn't fully forgiven. God's forgiveness is nothing like that. He fully 
forgives you. The second thing that I want you to notice. When Jesus saves you, you have a story now so that you can tell your story with other people. And this is how you get freedom. The more you share your story, the more freedom you're going to get. So let me give it to you like this. When you share your story, freedom is a release because it declares the old is gone and the new has come. See, when you share your story, it is just a declaration of telling people over and over, that life that I used to live, you know what? I'm dead to it. It's dead it's gone, and the new is coming. It doesn't mean that it's like this bolt of lightning that just zaps you, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I'm just a new person, and I never desire any sinful things anymore. But the old is passing away, and the new is coming. So the third point that I want to make is this. Even death cannot take away Easter. Even death cannot take away Easter. Even your sin, your guilt, your shame cannot take away the power of Easter. Listen, this may be offensive to you, but I don't care, all right? I don't care how you feel right now. It doesn't matter how you feel. It does not blot out the power of a resurrecting Lord. So you could feel like you are at just the lowest place in the world and there's no hope for you but Easter. Three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. Why did he do this? So that everything that you feel right now could be rendered useless when you understand the power of the cross and the resurrection. That the blood is enough. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. He freely gives it to you. He freely gives it to you. So I want to look at this two different ways. So number three, even death cannot take away Easter. And we take this from the part in Revelation 12 that says, for they love not their lives even unto death. So the first way I want to look at this, you will never overcome sin, guilt, shame, or anything in your life until you're willing to die to yourself. If Jesus had to die, then so do you. If Jesus had to die, then so do you. Maybe not physically, but you have to die to what you want. You know, in America, um, we're very selfish. I mean, we love to live comfortable lives. If, like, we go, anybody, like, you just feel immense, like, depression when your Netflix show is over. You're like, what am I going to watch now? (laughs) Like, oh, my gosh, I have nothing to do with my life anymore. (laughs) Like, it's over Here's the deal. You will never experience the freedom that you so desire until you're willing to die to yourself. You're willing to die to comfort. You're willing to die to what you think is best. I could give you scripture after scripture after scripture proving this point, but I'm going to give you two this morning. Matthew 16, 24 says this. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, how many of you, that's you, you want to follow Jesus? Let me show of hands. How many of you want to follow Jesus? Okay, if this is you this morning, watch what he says. He must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You know what it means when it says you take up your cross? It means that you take up all the things that you think are best. All the things that are holding you back. So maybe it is Netflix. 
Maybe it's Facebook. Maybe it's just distractions. All those comfort things. And you lay them before Jesus. And maybe God's not calling you to give up all of them. But if he so says, give up this one, then you do it. Cut back on this one, then you do it. And listen, the only way that you have the power to do that is if the Holy Spirit is living inside you. And if you don't have that, you have to go back to point number one. Look to the blood of Jesus. Cry out to Jesus and say, God, I need your redeeming, saving power. And let him give you a story. And once he gives you that story, then you can learn to die to yourself. Galatians 5.24 says this. Now those who belong to Jesus Christ have, been cru- have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So there are so many scriptures that are filled throughout the Bible that declare you will not overcome until you're willing to die. So here's the question that I ask you. If there is this nagging sin, this nagging temptation in your life that it seems like no matter what I do, it will not go away, the chances are you're probably too comfortable. Because here's the deal. Sin cannot grow when somebody is willing to die to themselves. But it surely can fester when you get comfortable. Too many of us desire comfort and convenience over holiness. Listen, I'm not trying to be condemning here. What I'm trying to tell you is if you want that resurrecting power that God offers to overcome sin in your life, there are going to be things in your life that you have to die to and you have to give up. Don't miss this. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and dying to ourselves. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb through our story and dying to ourselves. The second way that I want to look at this is death, pain, and suffering will show its face in this life, right? Death, pain, and suffering will show its face. I say this all the time. Everybody in here is going to get a phone call that changes their life. All of us are subject to maybe losing a loved one All of us are subject to getting that phone call from that doctor that says this. All of us are subject to, say, having teenagers look at us parents and say, you know what, I'm done with you. I want to do my own thing. All of us are subject to pain and grief and suffering, but it cannot blot out Easter. There is absolutely no death, no pain, no suffering that renders what Jesus has done on that cross and when he rose from the grave, that can blot out what he's done. The cross and resurrection will never be overcome just because you don't feel Jesus in this moment. Listen, some of us are walking through some cloudy times, some dark times right now, right? Man, some, some things are just going on in our hearts. Maybe some of you are literally in the thick of suffering. Maybe you're in the thick of just financial turmoil and stress. And the economy's not the greatest right now. The oil field's not the greatest right now. Maybe you blew it. Maybe you were doing so well, and then all of a sudden, temptation looked at you in the face, and you said, you know what? I'm just going to give in. But Easter is enough. The blood of Jesus is enough. Satan may come to destroy, but the blood is enough. Satan may come to condemn, but if God has given you a story, Satan can never take that story away. You cannot argue with a changed life. So let these words ring in your ears this morning. The blood of Jesus is enough. And there is nothing 
too deep. I know some of you feel like, you know what, man, for the past 10 years, I've just been digging this hole. (laughs) And I keep burying myself deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Maybe some of you are exhausted and tired spiritually. Maybe some of you are exhausted, tired physically in your marriage, in your relationships, in your personal relationship with Jesus. Wherever you're at, Easter, meaning the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus, is enough to overcome absolutely anything that you battle with. So you want to overcome sin? You want to live a life of freedom? We have to look to the blood of Jesus to make sure that we have a story and we have to learn to die to ourselves. And I can assure you this, number one and number three are the hardest. (laughs) Because some of us, a lot of times it's just, well, how do I just, I mean, look to the blood of Jesus. Like, what does that mean? How does that help me? So, no, I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to do this. I need to add this into my life. And I need to read this. And I need to have this. No, stop. Some of us just need to learn and rest that the gift that God has given us is enough to help us. So I want to do this this morning. I didn't want to preach long, but I do want to give you an opportunity in here for some of you that are saying, you know what, I don't know Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity for that resurrecting power that happens on Easter for it to be made available to you this morning. So just every head bowed and every eye closed in here. If you're in here this morning and you're saying, you know what, Zach, I I don't know Jesus. I came here this morning because it was Easter and somebody invited me or I was just hoping that something would happen. I don't know Jesus this morning. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? Okay, thank you, thank you. Father, I pray for those this morning, God, that don't know you. God, for those this morning that God, want to desperately experience that redeeming power, that grace that you so offer. Can you all, just all of us, so we don't make anybody feel awkward, can you just repeat this after me? Say, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe on the cross you took my guilt, my sin and my shame. You died for it. I believe you faced hell for it rose from the dead to give me a place in heaven a purpose on earth and a relationship with your father today I turn from sin to be born again and I receive you as my Lord and Savior in Jesus name